You're listening to a message from Pastor Jack Holt at the River. Tonight I want to minister to you on the topic of taking back what fear has taken from you. And when I say that, I'm talking about situations where fear came in and you were robbed, you were, Satan stole from you an opportunity, a breakthrough, something in your life, and how do you get that back? How do you get back what fear has robbed you from in your life? And when I minister this to you, understand that I know there's many people that are in a situation right now where they have been hurt by people in their lives, and because they've been hurt, they put up a wall because they're afraid that if they open up again, they'll be hurt again. So they're robbed of intimate relationships that they could normally have. I've seen this in second marriages and third marriages and fourth marriages. I've seen it with friends. I've seen it with people in church who served in a church and worked really, really hard in the church and got hurt by leadership or whatever and they won't serve anymore because they're afraid of getting hurt. So there's a lot of things we get robbed on and, and those are some of the spiritual things, but what about finances? What about an opportunity that if you would have took it would have brought you into a whole nother level of financing. Or what if it was something like uh, starting a business and you were afraid that if you did, you might lose everything and it was, it was the right time and it was the right place and it would have set you off into a completely different level financially, but fear kept you back. I want to show you how to break through that. I don't have all the answers, but I have enough in the word that I know it will encourage you. So turn with me, if you would, to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. And while you're turning there, just make a note of this. You can write it down in Luke 21, verse 25 to 26. It makes a statement concerning the times that we live in right now. It says that in the last of the last days that men's hearts will fail because of fear. Now, we usually take that and we spiritualize it and say men will just be worried and be under a lot of stress and end times. But actually, it is, could be referring to literally people's hearts failing. I was reading a, a description of a doctor that did a survey on, I believe it was 15 people that had been attacked brutally. And uh, they all died. And they discovered that 11 out of the 15 people didn't die from their injuries. They died from fear itself. It caused their heart to stop. And I thought, you know, we're, we're kind of <laughs> moving in that direction in America today where there is so much fear and anxiety. And, but yet it's going to be the greatest days of the church. So we've got to know how to deal with it so we can overcome it amen and I know you came here tonight you're brave you're courageous and God's going to do something wonderful in your life amen but I wanted to mention that that fear has that kind of power that it can li literally kill you stop your heart when it seems like there's no hope and so, so forth and so we have to address this in faith amen but if you look on the screen 2nd Timothy uh, Paul said this to uh, Timothy who was pastoring a church of 90,000 people uh, fairly young he's between uh, 30 38 years old I say that's young but that's uh, 
you may think that's old but that was young then amen but he said this to him for God has not given us a spirit of fear oh that's good thank you Jesus notice he says and God has not given us Paul including himself including the church including the members of the church including the people that love Jesus has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and a sound mind oh I like that praise God he's, saying, he's telling Timothy now listen guy God didn't give you fear the fear you have right now came from a decision a decision of rather than rejecting fear you responded to fear and it's beginning to affect the anointing in your life some translations say that God has not given you a spirit of timidity and I know all about this I, I, I discovered this years ago that I'm only as good as the anointing in my life and you're only as good as the anointing in your life the anointing is that manifestation of Christ in your life that helps you do what God's called you to do and I found this to be true that whenever there's insecurity whenever there's fear the anointing doesn't function in your life and you find yourself trying to preach or trying to do what God called you to do but yet you don't feel his power you don't feel strength in what you're doing whether raising children uh, doing uh, being an engineer doctor dentist mailman or whatever your career is there's not that anointing that you felt before when you were doing it and I had a I had a pastor years ago come up to me and he said pastor I need to ask you a question I said what's up he said I don't feel the presence of God anymore in my life my first response was are you in sin and he denied it found out later he was into pornography and of course he repented and the anointing never left him but the anointing wouldn't manifest because he got out of the will of God and so he was doing everything by his own strength and that's what Paul is telling Timothy that if you, if you don't allow this fear to come into your life this timidity this insecurity or whatever and it can be produced from doing sin it can be produced by not following the will of God in your life it can be produced by just getting out of the center of God's will or just getting in a situation where people are starting to intimidate you they're starting to you're caring more about how they feel what they say and what God's word says the anointing just goes small 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 when there's fear so say it with me there's no fear here now this is going to be really good especially you you ladies because I know guys are perfect but some men will in fact use intimidation to manipulate their wives and if it doesn't it's not just a guy thing it can be a girl thing too but if you get under that and you don't want to offend you don't want to hurt you find yourself being controlled by that individual the anointing in your life will just go right down you lose your joy you lose your peace you lose the victory that God has for you as a believer so you got to stand up and say bless God thank you Jesus be don't be confrontational but don't back away and say hey wait hey don't give me that dear 
I'm not moved by that. I'm moved by what the word says, and it's wrong. I don't care what you say. I don't care how you make me feel bad about it. You just have to be more direct. My wife, you can intimidate her if you are a huge monster. She's worked, she's worked with me, a preacher, loud mouth, bold, arrogant at times. Say amen. But that's what you ladies need to be. The husband doesn't want some wishy-washy wife. Anyway, I thought that was good preaching up to that point. We'll go back up the stairs here, move along to the next point here, praise God. I want to show you where fear originated. Because God never created fear. Fear was created from iniquity. It was created from transgression. If you remember the story of Genesis when God created Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve, but Adam and Eve, male and female, in the creation, he told Adam, who was the representative of all mankind, he said, you can eat of all the trees in the garden except one. Don't eat of this one, because if you do, you will surely die. But when he said surely die, keep this in mind, Adam had never been to a funeral, never been to a wake. He'd never been to children's hospital and saw children that were diseased and struggling for their lives. Never had a loved one that had the flu. Never had somebody who is a, dis, a, a, you know, a disability because of sickness, disease. He had never experienced any of that when God said, surely you will die because God doesn't use fear to control people. He doesn't use fear. He uses love. And so Adam really had no idea what it meant outside of the fact that and he went ahead and sinned, and when he did, spiritual death happened. And that's the birth of fear in creation, not in the angelic force, but in creation. It started after Adam had sinned in the Garden of Eden. And what's crazy about the story is that Adam was the one God spoke to first, then the woman was created out of Adam. And the woman was actually the one who sinned first. But if you study the story in Genesis, it's very unique because it reveals something about the whole event and the consequence. The woman committed the sin first, but yet her eyes were not open. She did not experience spiritual death. She did not have fear grip her because of her sin at that point. She was the same way she was before she sinned, or she would have said, don't, don't eat it. I just felt really yuckless come over me. I feel... Uh, emptiness of fear inside of me she would have said that she didn't feel nothing same as it was before but when Adam took the fruit both her eyes were open both felt fear both felt that spiritual separation that comes from sin so the reason why I'm sharing this with you is because Jesus has reversed this whole thing 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that Jesus is referred to as the, as the last Adam. Romans chapter 5 verse 12 says that death was passed on through the first Adam's transgression. Afterwards, someone of the similitude of him, which is Jesus, the last Adam, fixed everything. He didn't sin. And he took our sins upon himself on that cross and died when he was rose up and sat down 
and offered salvation to us and we believed on him, we cannot lose what he gave us because Jesus, who is the head of the church, will never sin, will never transgress God. So whatever he has will never be affected by what we do. We can still get into trouble. We can still struggle with fear, but we are connected to the head and the head is the last Adam and he gives us dominion. That's why we can overcome fear. We can overcome the fear of death was destroyed when Jesus died on the cross. Church, come on, help me out. This is exciting. This is powerful. We're talking about Jesus being resurrected. You see, in his earthly body, he, he could be tempted at all points like we are. He could have fell into sin. He could have. Didn't, but he could have. In the resurrection, his body was deified. It was glorified. He can never be tempted again. And so God raised a man up in an immortal body and sat him at the right hand of God. And those who believe in him partake from his righteousness, partake from his authority, partake from his dominion. So we got power over death. That's why God didn't give us a spirit of fear. He gave us a spirit of faith. He gave us a spirit of authority. He gave us a a spirit of a power. Anyway, I, I, I don't know. I like it. It gets me worked up. Because it shows you that we can't overcome fear in our lives because of what Jesus has done for us and how he's blessed us and brought us to that place of great victory in our lives. One of the things that I, I, I struggle with the most when it comes to worry and concern and, and all the things that we worry about is it, it alters our expectation. Instead of expecting things to get better, we expect them to get worse. And instead of expecting a good doctor's report, we expect a bad doctor's report. Instead of expecting a raise, we expect to get laid off. And it affects what you expect as a believer. I want you to make a note of this, that whatever you expect in faith will eventually manifest, and whatever you expect in fear will eventually manifest in some form in your life. So Satan loves to get fear in us to alter our expectation so that we expect not his best, but we expect the worst. Oh, things are just going from bad to worse to terrible. Praise God. Look at, man, we're, this is just getting bad. I, I don't know what's going to happen next year. Everything's going to happen. We're going to get a new virus, all this stuff, and it goes on and on and on and on and on. And so you come to church, and we want to believe God for something, and you're, all you can do is expect fear. We've got to walk the way Jesus did. I'll tell you how Jesus was. Jesus laid his hand on the most contagious individual in the land at that time and prayed for him because he was a leper and said, it is my will to be healed and wasn't concerned about catching the virus because he knew the power of God was inside of him and he was not moved by what he feared. He, he was only moved by what he believed. You, you understand, he felt things like we all feel, but he wasn't operating in fear, but rather faith. When he hesitated to go to Lazarus, to, uh, Lazarus home to raise him up, uh, his disciples said, you can't go there. They're threatening your life. And he said, no. As long as I walk in the life, I can't stumble. 
In other words, he knew no one could kill him if he was walking in the center of God's will, and Jesus did. So he didn't fear having an accident. He didn't fear getting in a car wreck. He didn't fear getting a virus. He didn't fear any of that because he was always walking in the center of God's will. Amen. Amen. Even if you miss it, you still go to heaven. Say amen. Amen. So it's important that, that we have the perspective that Jesus had not to be foolish, but not to walk around always worried about this happening or that happening in your life. Now, I'm going to show you something that is an essential. If you really believe in the promises that God gave us in the promised land, if you really believe that those promises can be yours, a place of more than enough of plenty left over, more than enough, come on, a land that flows with milk and honey. You know why they say milk? Because milk is a necessity. Honey isn't. It's a nicety. In other words, it's a land where not only your needs are met, but God gives you the niceties of life. You, if you're going to believe for that, you're going to have to be a person that refuses to fear and allow fear to affect you when you begin to move in God's will. Let me give you an example. Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 3. Listen to what God tells them here. And he shall say to them, Hear, O Israel, today you are on the verge of battle with your enemies. Do not let your heart faint, or don't be afraid. Do not be afraid, and do not tremble, or be terrified because of them. So he says, all right, listen, you're going to get to battle. But I want you to know right up front, I don't want you to be afraid. And I want to answer a question right now. People say, is it a sin to be afraid? Well, I may ask you this question. If Jesus commands us to do something and we don't do it, isn't that a sin? He would never ask us or command us to do something unless it was necessary to do, and he wouldn't command us to do it if not doing it meant it wouldn't be a sin. Fear is sin because it quenches the anointing of God in your life. It prevents the power of God from helping you do the will of God in the way that you need to. And I know we face it, but we don't have to give in to the temptation, and I'll explain that later. So he says to him, he says, I don't want you to be faint. I don't want you to get nervous about it. I don't want you to be afraid. I don't want you to tremble. And look what he says in verse 8. This is significant. It shows you that fear is contagious. Look at this. The officers shall speak further to the people and say, what man is there who is fearful and faint-hearted? In other words, you're nervous about everything. You're worrying about everything. He said, let him go and return to his house, lest the heart of his brethren faint like his heart. In other words, don't get in the battle if you've got fear in your life because it's contagious. Say amen, everybody. I know we want to feel sorry for everybody, but the reality is we need to be strong in the Lord. We, we're Christians. We have the authority of Christ within us. We need to be strong in faith. We don't want to be foolish, but we need to be strong in faith, not worry about everything like everyone else. We have a, we have a, a Savior. We, we have someone who's Lord over everything that is in our lives. We have the Holy Spirit in our lives. We have nothing to fear but fear itself. 
And we need to cast that out and begin to walk in what God gives us. Amen? See, fear, what it does is it builds walls in your life. You get hurt by someone and then you're afraid to ever open up again, so you build little walls around your life. I'm not going to let anybody in. The only reason why you're saying that is not because you're wise, it's because you're chicken. <laughs> you are afraid that someone could hurt you again. You are afraid that if you open up, someone's going to take advantage of you again. You're just, it's just fear. It's not being wise at all. And, and this happens many times in marriages where a wife puts up a wall because the last time she said anything, her husband, you know, ridiculed her and all that. And so she puts up these walls and then it breaks off their relationship and, they, and they're not as close as they used to be because she's afraid. Now, he shouldn't be bullying her, but the reality is he did. Amen. And I've seen it with men and men the same way. Wife bullying the husband. But we got to be Christians and say, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm in the battle. I'm in battle in faith. I'm not going to be afraid of what tomorrow's going to bring because my faith is going to change tomorrow. I'm going to see God's blessings. I'm going to see his breakthrough in my life. Hallelujah. I'm not going to fear death because Christ is in me, the hope of glory. Hallelujah. Amen. Am I the only one excited tonight? It's really, it's really that simple. And... Uh, I want you to understand that that verse I just read was given to people who had lost one generation full of blessings to their descendants because of fear. Remember when the 12 spies came back, only two had a good report? That generation, except those 20 years on down, lost all their prosperity. They lost all the success they would have had, and they all died in the wilderness. And what's crazy about the story is that second generation was different than the first. The second generation was fearless in faith. And we know that because you remember when the spies came back and they began to share how big the giants were and all that? And in the story, it says that we were grasshoppers in their sight, and so we were. And they say that basically the people there thought they were nothing they were insignificant 40 years later same people same miracles that took them out of Egypt with Moses the people had heard same same people it says were faint in heart what happened now catch this there's a spiritual side to things that people miss that first generation in the spirit world if you could go into it and look at it all the demons knew that these people that Moses had brought out of Egypt were terrified. That they were worriers. They were complainers. And the Bible said if you resist the devil, he'll flee, but he won't flee if you're afraid. And all these demonic spirits in the promised land that they had to overcome were fully aware that these people were in fear and they had nothing to fear because of that. The next generation that was not like that, that had learned from their father's mistakes, that whole, uh, that whole, all those people in the promised land, they all were faint-hearted towards the Israelites because they knew they were fearless. They knew they had faith in God. And all the demons that were influencing these people displayed that in the people so the people themselves felt it. 
Hallelujah. I wonder what demons are thinking today in America. Is the church rising up? Is the church strong? Is the church full of faith or are they full of fear? Because they can sense that. And that's exactly why in the church world we live in today, there's a lot of intimidation. There's a lot of people being manipulated in saying things they don't really believe because of what? Fear. So we've got to be that generation, that Joshua generation, that is fearless when it comes to our faith and will press through and will receive the blessing of God with all of our hearts. Amen? Amen. Now, let me show you how this works. Have you ever known somebody who maybe their father died of a heart condition when he was, say, 55? And let's say that his father died early too. So the son grows up, and I've met people like this, who believe they're afraid they're going to die early because of the genetics passed down in their family. Ever know someone like that? We've known movie stars that were like that, so fearful they had operations to prevent a disease that hadn't even happened yet. Isn't that right? But where does that come from? It comes from generational curses that promote this concept of fear, and, and the fear's passed on, therefore the disease is passed on. And I've seen people, good Christians, live, be very fruitful, but it's almost like they're running all the time because they know they don't have that much time left. But I want to ask you this question. If you believe in divine healing, you have to believe in, in long life. You can't believe in divine healing and not believe in long life because they both go together. The only time that, lo that long life is not granted is when somebody is martyred. And that's something I don't want to preach on tonight. But, uh, but all the rest of the time, if you're not being martyred, God promises long life. Oh, but pastor, you don't understand. In the Bible, it says that, you know, there's been a, a day appointed once on the men to die. Yes, but you don't have to die prematurely. You can die old and gray and whatever. Say amen. amen. Shouldn't say gray. you know what I'm talking about now what I mean by that is simply this the apostle Paul proved this in Ephesians 6 chapter he talked about this is one of the commandments that promises long life yeah, so he brings it into the New Testament as well as the Old Testament uh, uh, Psalms 91 tells us that with long life I will satisfy you and Paul himself was incarcerated was beaten with rods was stoned was left for dead all this stuff and he continued on he said this when he was arrested and chained to the Praetorian guard that brought him before Caesar, which he could have ended his life right then in Philippians. He said this, I've interceded. He said, it's, it'd be a lot better for me if I just died and went on to heaven. He said, it'd be better for me. But he said, for your sake, I have chosen to stay. This is in the first chapter. In other words, he chose to believe that his life would be extended, just like Hose, uh, uh, Hezekiah chose to believe that his life would be extended and it was extended 15 years so 
when you're standing in faith for healing, keep in mind, if you don't believe in long life, how are you going to believe in divine healing? How are you going to do that? Because if you're just going to fall over dead, how, how are you going to believe? You're going to have to believe both or forget them. It won't work. So if you're struggling right now and go, I believe, you know, God heals and whatever, but I'm not sure about long life, then uh, you're going to have an oxymoron. You're going to have something collide because you might be questioned. As soon as you start to stand in faith and the doctor says you could die from this and you're thinking, well, I don't know when I'm going to die. And no one knows the exact day or the hour when we're going to die. But my point is you don't want to die before your time. And you want to make sure you stand in faith to live out the life that you want. With long life, I'll satisfy you. I don't want to die in debt. I don't want to die only doing half of what my vision is. And I don't have to. Hallelujah. If God can give Caleb the same strength at 85 as he had at 45... I think there's hope for all of us. Say amen. Yep. Now, I'm saying this to get rid of the fear factor because people, they go, well, I, you know, I could die. This could be my time. My number's up. Boop, that's it. You go to the word. The Bible said the prayer of faith will save the sick, the committed any sins, they shall be forgiven. The Bible said God forgives all our iniquities and heals all of our diseases. The Bible says by his stripes we are healed. And you can go on and on and on and on in Scripture that God removes sickness from the midst of them. You can go on and on that even the sickness is not written in this book is covered by the removal of the curse in Deuteronomy. Anyway, get excited right now, praise God. I don't want you to go to bed scared. I want you to go to bed in faith and believing that God is more than able to do what he needs to do. Now, I, had a, I heard a series years ago. It's by a, a pastor by the name of Fred Price. He's in, I think he's in his, like, his close to 90 now, but he did a, a series, and it was called Faith, Foolishness, and Presumption. And he talked about how sometimes faith people step out in presumption, and it's not really faith. And I'll give you a personal experience of this. I had a guy come to our church, and we had, a, we had a family member in the church. They had lost a child. And how many know it's difficult when somebody loses a child? And the church needs to be loving, not critical, when something like that happens. We don't know why things happen sometimes. But he gets up and he preaches. He was really harsh and says, and really made the parents feel like they were nothing. So I got up and I rebuked him publicly. Don't normally do that, but he irked me off. And, and then he left and told all my Rama people how stupid I was or whatever. But you know what happened? Two weeks, I think it was two weeks after he left the church. He died in a river accident. Young man. Why? Because you can have faith and you can have presumption and you can have foolishness. And a lot of people think that foolishness is faith and it's not. A lot of people think presumption is faith, and it's not. When you're led by the Spirit and you've got the Word of God in your life and there's a confirmation of the Spirit in your heart about something, that's faith. 
Don't assume because you can read it in the scriptures, it's yours until those scriptures get inside of you. Because a lot of people step out, and I had a lady in the church, and, and she was hyper-spiritual. And I said, you need to go to the doctor. You need to get that surgery. And, and she wouldn't listen to me. She wouldn't listen. I said, you need to do it. It's not a big deal. Oh, no, I'm in faith. Praise God. She ends up dying. Something easily prevented if she would have went to the doctor. But she was more afraid of going to the doctor than she was of the condition she was in. And it's a shame. So let's be not foolish, but let's realize that when you're in faith on something, there's nothing to be afraid about. Don't let something get into your life like that and, and sabotage you and destroy what you're doing put up the next verse joshua chapter one no not i said joshua have i not commanded you say command be strong of good courage do not be afraid do not be dismayed for the lord your god is with you wherever you go i like this, this is what joshua's telling him all right you're going to the promised land i don't want you to be afraid i want you to have good courage which means there's bad courage you know what bad courage is? It's when you say, forget about what I'm afraid about, and you do something that is ungodly. That's bad courage. It was bad courage when the Egyptians went into the Red Sea with it, with it, with it all walled up the water, and, and their wheel, wheels are wobbling. They said, ah, I'm going for it. Bad courage. But good courage is when we obey God. And we follow God no matter what it costs us, no matter how terrifying it is, we follow God. God says to worship, we worship. God says to assemble, we assemble. God says to witness, we witness. We don't care what the state says. We don't care what someone says. We're going to do what God's word says. The Bible says to pray, we pray. We don't muzzle our, our faith. We get strong with it. Amen. Amen. Come on. Give God praise, everybody. It's true. So that's the instruction that he gave us. I want you to remember this about fear. Fear is a mind game. It is all about the mind when you're dealing with fear. Let me give you something, and we'll close with this. And we've all went through this. If you've been around the earth very long at all, this has happened to you. You go to the doctor, and he says, I'm a little concerned about this. We've got to take more tests. He says, Doc, what do you think it is? Oh, it could be leukemia probably isn't but it could be so you leave and you tell your wife and you're a little nervous about it and your wife says let's pray baby and you pray and you pray in faith praise God no evil befall me or plague come nigh that dwelling and you know what happens during the week you run into somebody an old friend how you doing man how you been because we always say that how you been well I got leukemia last year. And the devil will always bring someone up in your life to share with you something that you're afraid of, that you're struggling with in your mind right now. The battle is in the mind, and he'll bring another thought. He'll, uh, you'll read an article, and every article you read will be about leukemia. It is on the news, special, leukemia. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> because he's bombarding your mind what you've got to do is resist it in faith and refuse to be intimidated by it 
because this is so important. The law of attraction is vital. Whatever you work on, you attract. If you work on fear, you attract more fear and more fear and more fear and more fear and more fear. And it becomes a, a phobia. It becomes a spirit of fear in your life because it started with a seed that you kept thinking about it, kept talking about it, kept meditating on it, and it got bigger and bigger and bigger. What we got to do is reverse it and do that with faith and get it bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. I know some of you are going through some stuff and you're not sure about tomorrow, but Jesus is. And he's provided you a hope in the future whether you can see the evidence of it or not. You got to go to the word, build yourself up in that word. I don't care what the doctors say. I don't care what runs in your family. I want you to know what runs in Jesus' family. What runs in Jesus' family is success, is healing, is a new chance, is a new break, is a new opportunity, is joy unspeakable. That's what runs in the family of Jesus, and that's the family that you're in as a believer. Come on, give God praise right now. It's true. It's true. Amen. Thanks for listening today. For more messages like this one, check out our podcast, River App, and our website at theriver.church. We're the river, and we're doing life together.